Think of a time when your faith has been tested. Think of an occasion, a period of life that's been difficult, circumstances that you have no control over, situation that you're in and you're out of your depth, question that you're searching the answer for, place where you're at that it's just not what you expected it to be. A time when perhaps your faith is being really tested, when you're wondering what is God doing in this situation. Think of a time that you have been tested by faith, but afterwards you're actually really thankful to the Lord that you went through that period of testing because it meant that you, you grew. You grew as a Christian. You learned more about God. You understood the gospel better. And you saw him really at work in your life and in the lives of those around you and you saw God act. I went through a period like this in Poland when I first arrived there. I'd gone to teach English as a foreign language a few years ago and the first three months were just awful. I thought, what am I doing here? I was in a foreign country, it was freezing cold. These people spoke a language that was nothing like English. I taught English in a school that used a method I didn't understand. I lived on the top floor of a communist block of flats. And I thought, I made a big mistake. What am I doing? What a mess I'm in. This shouldn't be where I, I want to be. How do I get out of this situation? What is God doing in my life? I wanted to be somewhere else. But thankfully, eventually, things did get better. And I moved from that flat to someone nicer. I got an English-speaking neighbor. I met a, a nice, welcoming, friendly church. And instead of wanting to go home, I wanted to stay. I really think that was a, a period of testing. And God used that to test my faith. And, and was I trusting in him? Did I trust who he was? Did I trust his character, his power? And I admit there were times when I would question those things and I did doubt what God was doing. There were temptations to, to, to want to blame God for the situations that I was in. But afterwards, I was able to look back and I could see that God had been at work. And I learned a lot about myself. And through that time, it gave me faith to trust in the Lord, to trust him for future times of testing that may come up. As Christians, we know that God takes us through these times to, to test our faith, to help us to grow. So what about you? Maybe even now, are you going through a time of testing, a time of trial, where there are temptations to perhaps doubt, to doubt what is God doing, to doubt his nature, his character, to deny his power, to do something about it. Do you find yourself somewhere like that? What about our friends here in the passage, <clears throat> these disciples? Some commentators think that uh, these few chapters here in the middle of Mark's Gospel, Jesus is taking them through a period of training. If you see the beginning of chapter 6, he's sent them out on mission, and they've gone out to, to preach the Gospel. He's involved them in his mission, so last week he said to them, why don't you go feed these people? And now he's teaching them another lesson that's just for them. He's testing their faith. But unfortunately, they don't quite get it. I think we know that from verses 51 and 52. They seem to be the key verses of this passage. This story is in three of the, two, 
three, no, two of the other Gospels, and this verse is not in the other two passages. And I think Mark has wanted to highlight this particular situation and their response to Jesus who comes out walking on the water. There they are struggling, Jesus comes, and their reaction is to be completely amazed at Jesus. Mark tells us in verse 52, it's because they hadn't understood about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. They hadn't fully grasped who Jesus was and who he's claiming to be. In some senses, they were, they were doubting him, doubting who he was. They were doubting his character, doubting his power, doubting his ability to work. And so for us, and for them, the lesson is we come to see Jesus again tonight, is that we would trust. We would trust in Jesus. That we'd recognize who he is. We'd understand his character. We'd believe in his power. And that we'd expect, we'd expect him to work. So firstly, let's trust in Jesus by recognizing his identity. When Jesus performed the miracle of the loaves, which we looked at last week, we learn, particularly if you read it in John's Gospel, that at this point, the crowd wanted to make Jesus a king. Jesus, as, you, as we saw, he was, he was um, linking himself with the Old Testament, showing himself to be God, as Dan showed us. He's identifying himself with the God who provided the manna in the wilderness. And the people see this. They see that, hey, the prophet said that one would come and, and here he is. Let's make him a king. They want to rebel against the Romans. Here is our man. Let's do it. And there was a stir starting. Jesus has claimed great things. He is the Messiah. And so the crowd's reaction is probably one of the reasons that Jesus gets his disciples quickly into the boat, tells them to go on ahead of him, in verse 45, go on ahead to Bethsaida while he dismisses the crowd. He didn't want things to get out of hand. He knew that they misunderstood what the Messiah was all about. We'll get to that in a few weeks. Because they saw, here is the great shepherd, the rescuer of his people. But have they truly understood what that meant? Now, the disciples, we find them in a boat. They're in trouble. Verse 48, they're straining at the oars because the wind was against them. They were probably somewhere on the east side of the lake. And all they had to do was sail along the shore, possibly. Near the shore, at least, to get to Bethsaida. But because of the wind, they'd been blown out. They couldn't get there. They kept getting further and further away from shore, further into danger. They should have been in their destination, but in the middle of the night, there they are, in the middle of the lake. And where's Jesus? Well, he's on the land. He's far away. But then in verse 48, we see Jesus. He sees the disciples straining at the oars. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. But what is the disciples' reaction? Verse 49. But when they, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost and they cried out because they had, they thought this, when they saw him, they were terrified. Um, to be fair to the disciples, I think we too would be a little terrified if we saw somebody walking on the water. 
It's nighttime, it's dark, the wind and the waves are blowing, it's probably hard to see. And they weren't expecting to see someone, let alone Jesus. They didn't recognize who he was. And in a spiritual sense too, they haven't recognized who he was. Jesus has been showing and proving himself. Who is it in the Old Testament that we see is able to walk on the sea and control the sea? Job 9, for example. God, he alone, stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. And then we look at Jesus' words. They're terrified. They see Jesus and Jesus says, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. That it is I. Ego imi in the Greek. I am. Jesus is identifying himself with the God who revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. I am. And this is who Jesus is. He's proved to be the Messiah. He's claimed to be much more throughout his ministry. And, but the disciples, they just haven't quite got it. Although we don't see it in Mark's account in Matthew, he tells us that when the, Jesus got into the boat, their eyes were open. They saw it and they said, truly, you are the Son of God. It's in times of difficulty, of uncertainty, of, of trouble, that we can be tempted to doubt who Jesus is. We can easily forget who he is. Our minds get clouded by all that is encompassing us and the things that we know about God, sometimes we doubt whether they are true. Jesus' identity gets a bit confusing for us. And this whole God and man business gets confusing too. We can easily focus on Jesus being God and we forget that he's man and that can he really sympathize with me? On the other hand, we see Jesus as a man and we think, does he have the power of God to be able to help me? Sometimes we may even doubt whether God really exists at all. Because if God existed, surely he could sort out my situation. If God existed, surely my friends, my family, well, they would become Christians. If God existed, he'd make himself clearer, he'd answer my prayers. Well, Jesus revealed himself to the disciples just when they needed, in just the right way, at just the right time. They needed to have faith. They needed to trust in Jesus, and so do we. Trust Jesus by recognizing who he is, but also by understanding his character. They didn't understand the loaves, Mark tells us. And last week, as we looked at Jesus feeding the 5,000, he's showing himself to be God by, as Dan told us, providing and caring for his sheep. He's the one who arrived at the shore, looked at the crowds, and he had compassion upon them. Because Jesus is one who has compassion. He is one who cares. The disciples are in the middle of the lake. They're struggling. Jesus is, is, is far away. But had they prayed? Had they sought God's help in their situation, in their trouble? Have they wanted to involve God in this situation, knowing that they can't control it, but he can? We can't know for sure, of course. But that's not recorded for us. But Jesus does see them. He sees them in their struggle, and he comes to them on the water, and he approaches the boat. 
He's not a God who stands back and lets us struggle forever. But he comes to us. He walks on the water, rising above our difficulty. Because he comes to aid us, to help us, to provide. The very reason that Jesus came to earth. Because he loves us and he cares and he has compassion. He left his throne in heaven to become a man, to give his life for us. To die in our place. To represent us to God. And as Christians, God is a God who still loves us and still has compassion and still wants to do good things for us in our lives. Wasn't it Jesus who said on the Sermon on the Mount, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you, though you are evil, know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Does Jesus care? Does he care about me, about my situation, about my circumstances? I think sometimes with the the right goal of suppressing prosperity teaching, sometimes we can flee the opposite direction and think that God doesn't want to help his people. That he's all about the testing and the discipline and the hard work and the suffering as a Christian. God does want to give good gifts to his children. He wants to help. He wants to answer prayer. He wants to help us do ministry well. I'm sure you're familiar with the poem, The Footprints in the Sand. The person walking along the beach with the Lord. And they look back and they see sometimes two sets of footprints, sometimes one. And it appears that the time when they only see one set of footprints or when they went through a hard time and difficulty and a struggle. And so they say, God, where were you in my time of trial? And God says, well, it's when you only see one set of footprints. That's the time that I was carrying you. So although we go through struggles, although our faith is being tested, although we may be in circumstances that we don't want to be in and we don't understand, God is not far away and distant. He's not forgotten you. He's not ignored you. But he is right there with you. And so we can reach out to him. And we can call on him in prayer. And we can seek his help. We can trust in Jesus because of who he is. We can trust in Jesus because of his character. Thirdly, we can trust in Jesus believing in his power. Believing in his power. Because the disciples had not understood the loaves, they were completely amazed at seeing Jesus walking on the sea. Now this this is the first time, I think, that we've seen Jesus do a miracle that has involved himself in a literal way. Most miracles have involved someone else, a healing or something like that. But here we see Jesus. It's as if they're surprised to see that he is capable of doing such a thing. And they're not expecting him to be able to perform this miracle. But Jesus has continually shown us in his ministry his identity and his power. I think apart from the resurrection, this is the the last new type of miracle that we see Jesus perform. He will go on healing people and casting out demons, yes, but this is the new sort of way we see Jesus' power, the range and the vastness of it. 
But as far as the disciples are concerned, they're stuck in the middle of the, of the lake, miles from where they want to be. Jesus, he's on the land, he's nowhere to be seen. He's unable to help. At least last time they were in a storm, Jesus was in the boat with them and so he could help them. But where is he now? He's not there. But yes, he is. And yes, he sees. And yes, he comes out onto the sea to help them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a man walking on the sea? What would it have been like? What a sight it would have been to see Jesus hovering on the waves. A couple of years ago, a man, he did just that in London. Did you know? On the River Thames, he stood and walked on the water. I'll prove it to you. His name is Dynamo, a famous magician. He's standing on the water. Hundreds of people are gathered around the River Thames, on the bridge and on the sides, and they see him and they're asking one another, what is he doing? How is he doing that? If you watch the videos on YouTube, it looks really impressive. Well, of course, it is an illusion. And there are some good explanations about how he did it, how he managed to fool everybody. Because no one can walk on water. It's physically impossible. Unless you have the power of God. Unfortunately, people have done their best to try and discredit this miracle, explaining it away somehow. Maybe Jesus was walking on a sandbank. Maybe he was really at the shore, not in the middle of the lake. But they all fail to fit into the context of the text. Because Jesus really did walk on the water. And whatever trouble the disciples faced, whatever they come across, whatever Jesus comes across, he is able to cope with it and overcome it. He has all power in the world at his disposal. He's able to to heal, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, to calm the storm, to feed the multitude, and to walk on water. And so whatever you're facing, however difficult or impossible your situation may appear, we can trust Jesus because he is able. He has the power to do something about it, to change it, to solve, to answer, to provide. As a church, we're facing a time of testing. A testing of our faith as we search for a new building. This building is great, but it's just a bit too small. Especially for a Sunday morning service. And It's a real hassle to have to go all the way down to Meadow Lane and to, to set up each week. The search for a new building has been going on longer than most of us have even been at this church. Faith is being tested. And so as we consider the Irving building, are there temptations to doubt? Temptations to doubt God's power to be able to provide what's needed? To doubt his care, his interest, his, his desire to want to help us do ministry well? Those temptations, I'm sure, will be there. But Jesus is one who has all the resources. If he can feed thousands of people with five loaves and two fish, he can provide money to buy a building. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at Jesus raising a dead girl from life and Jesus saving people through their faith. 
And throughout history, God has been saving people from sin. We're here tonight because God has saved us from our sin. I heard just this week, really encouraging, that I think at Oxford University, about 30 students have become Christians since September. It's encouraging to see God at work, and it gives you confidence. And so as we begin a new term of mission, Christianity Explored starting tomorrow, real life on Friday, other things that are going on, we can trust that Jesus has the power to change lives. I know I can, I can doubt, I can fear that we're just living in a time where no one's going to become Christians because everyone is against us. And it can be a real temptation to think that we are weak and small as a church. The world is powerful and suppresses us. But yet Jesus is still at work. He's saving lives and so we can trust in him. Jesus cares. He has the power. We've seen him do great things in the past. And so that gives us hope for the future. As we share testimony, as we hear stories like students becoming Christians, it gives us confidence to expect. And why not? Why not expect God to be at work? Expect him to come and to help you. And so thirdly, trust in Jesus by expecting his works. It's funny, for all of us, how easy it is to simply forget, forget the gospel. To forget who Jesus is, to forget that he is a loving and compassionate and a good God. To forget the power and the works that he has done. Not just in the Bible, but throughout history and, and even in our own lives, we forget what he has done already. Our current circumstances seem so big and, and too strong for us. You can imagine the disciples, as they're out on the lake, rowing to get to the other side, they've got to have been talking about what Jesus had just done. Did you see all the baskets, 12 baskets full of bread and fish left over? But how quickly they forgot. They didn't expect to see Jesus. They didn't expect him to come and help them. They're terrified. The passage concludes with them arriving at Gerenasat and the crowds, they gather around because they haven't forgotten. They're expecting. Look down at verse 55. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages and towns and countrysides, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who were touched all who touched it were healed. They've seen Jesus in action. They were expecting him to do great things and so there they were, ready, eager. Wherever he went, people were healed. Perhaps because the disciples had not fully recognized who he was. Maybe they hadn't truly understood his character. They doubted his power. It meant that they just didn't expect. They weren't looking for God to be at work. But we'll see as we go on in Mark's Gospel that from this point on they do begin to start to get it. Not fully, of course, that won't come until later, but Jesus has brought them through trials and he's shown them himself and they've, he's taken them on mission to, 
to show them and help them understand who he is. That these guys are his disciples. They're going to be the, the future leaders of the church. Those who will start the church. He's preparing them. And he's testing their faith. Is it not in hard situations? It's not particularly in situations where we wish we weren't. In the times when we are in circumstances that we want to be different, that we can sometimes give up, particularly if we're in those situations for a long time. And we think, well, where is God? Maybe he's not here. Maybe he doesn't care. He's not answering my prayers. And so we can simply forget. We can stop expecting. Maybe it's your desire to marry. Maybe you've been searching a long time for the right job to come up, but it just seems hopeless. The older you get, the more interviews you go to, the more rejections that the, the letters you get through the post, you start to doubt. And you're tempted to stop trusting, to stop praying perhaps. You begin to fear that it's never going to happen. And so you either give up on job interviews or you, you don't expect to get an interview. And we don't. There was uh, a couple who got into a romantic relationship at university and they were together for almost 10 years. Marriage was talked about, it was discussed, but it, it just never got there. And sadly, heartbreakingly, that relationship came to an end and one of them what is this? Wasted my whole of my 20s. For what? I'm not where I want to be. I'm not married to the man I want to be married to. What is God doing? And so the temptations to doubt, temptations to question, are all there. And yet she kept trusting. She kept praying. She kept looking and seeking God. And is now serving God abroad doing a job that's right for her gifts and helping and aiding people in need. Circumstances may seem helpless, hopeless and helpless. We don't know what to do. We don't understand. Faith is tested really strongly. But we, we see who Jesus is. We see he is someone that we can trust. We can trust him because, because of who he is, the Son of God. We can trust him because of his character, that he does care, that he, he does have the power to change. We can trust him and we can expect him to help us. Through times of trial and testing, he makes us stronger, he makes us wiser, he makes us more holy, he makes us more confident in him. So let's Trust, let's expect God to be at work by seeing how he has done it in the past. See how he is at work even in your circumstances. What is he trying to teach you perhaps through your time of testing? What is he working out within your life? It's when we don't doubt. We don't doubt his character, and his power, but we trust in him. We will see God work and he will mould us and shape us to pray in accordance with his will and with his purpose. At the beginning of the year, 
in our home group, we spent some time praying for the year ahead, for 2015. But we thought it a good idea to reflect on 2014 first and to, to give thanks for what God has done in the past. Pretty much all of us were, um, had been new to Oxford in 2014 and so we were all able to rejoice and give thanks to God for bringing us here, for providing jobs, for providing the church and friends. And as we saw how God had worked in the past, bringing us through probably times of testing, providing in ways we didn't expect, it gave us confidence to then pray for this coming year. So what is it for you, 2015? What are you facing this year? How is your faith being tested? How will you pray? Because whatever the outcome of the Irving building, whatever the solution to your problem, whatever the answer to your question, whatever the end is to your search, we can trust Jesus. We can trust him for who he is because he cares. Because he has the power to do something about it. And so let's expect him to do so. In Jesus' name. Amen.